Look, I've been accused of being a LeBron hater, and I feel like every time that I, I can make my argument for why I have not been Team LeBron, it is totally justified. I can stand behind that. Give me your thoughts, 1-800-636-8686, because as, as, as much as I have come down hard on LeBron James, you cannot ignore what he was able to do last night, where he absolutely evicted little brother out of his house, out of the Lakers' house last night in the Clippers' final game against the Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. It was LeBron who steals the show 19 fourth quarter points, part of 34 on the evening, six boards, eight dimes, couple of blocks, had a plus 11 last night for those that care about the plus minus stat, all of it. You can't ignore it. You cannot deny the greatness of LeBron James. He is the NBA's all-time scoring leader, for goodness sakes. He's got the four rings, even though the one with the, the bubble may not be as legit as others, but hey, you still got to do it. He did it. He's one of the all-time greats, and he showed why last night at 39 years old for longevity what LeBron has accomplished is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Now, do I think that he is an all-time Laker? Absolutely not, because he has done some things that are borderline unforgivable as a Laker, which we'll explain coming up. My name is Trent Rush, sitting in for Jim Rome today here. Final hour of the show here on CBS Sports Radio. You can find us on X at Jim Rome. You can find me at Trent Rush Sports. Send us an email, Rome at haveatake.com. Also, call in 1-800-636-8686. That's 1-800-636-8686. I mean, think about like the good that LeBron has done as a Lakers. So he won the bubble title. You know, okay, I wasn't exactly going into the Boston Garden and beating Bill Russell, but okay, he still won the bubble title in Orlando, won the in-season tournament. I mean, LeBron James is the NBA's all-time greatest player at winning things that don't matter. I mean, between the bubble title and the AAU tournament that was the in-season tournament, whatever that was, LeBron did that. All right, very good. NBA scoring leader, all-time. Can't, you can't take that away from him. He's an all-time NBA player. It's not an NBA, it's just not an all-time Laker. And to have less than a quarter of his points throughout his career come with the purple and gold, th- does that mean that he's going to have his jersey hanging up there next to that end-season tournament banner? Yeah, that, that one actually he probably does deserve. But to be with all the other Laker greats, Magic, Kareem, Kobe. I mean, you really, Wilt, you really want to put LeBron's jersey there in, in the Laker uniform? It's an NBA all-time talent, not a Laker. And considering that, you also have to look at some of the things LeBron James has done as a Laker just this season that are unforgivable. I mean, I have an issue with load management anyway, and I think that as a, as a sports society, we're starting to come around on that. You know, the people like me that have been Anti-load management from the beginning are finally starting to see other people come around and understand that, wait a minute, this is not necessarily a good thing. Like even in the baseball sense, I was talking with Mike Trout about this, and and part of what Mike told me was, man, I've been hurt every year. Every year, you know, the Angels try to come up with a plan for me and what it's supposed to look like. And he goes, and I've been invested in that. He goes, this year, I'm playing every day. And whatever happens, happens. Because when you're so concerned about constantly getting hurt all the time, you know what happens? You get hurt. Or you don't perform at a high level. And I understand 
that LeBron James at 39 years old is going to need the rest day from time to time. Now, to bookend the All-Star break with rest days seems odd, considering he did participate in the scrimmage in Indianapolis. Or whatever that was. It wasn't even that. I think they play harder defense in a scrimmage. I've seen a harder defense played at 24-hour fitness down the street than what I saw in that game. And I'm not saying you got to go blow to blow with guys, but my gosh, some resistance. So it's not just 1,000 to 1,001. I mean, that was, it, was, it was painful to watch that. But LeBron, he still gave you 14 minutes that night. Couldn't do it, though, against the Golden State Warriors in a very meaningful game. Couldn't do that. Can't ask LeBron to do that. Sat against the Celtics earlier this year in Boston, kind of figuring, yeah, the Lakers aren't going to win anyway. There's, there's no need to play. We're not getting this one. I might as well sit and be good the next night. You know what the Lakers did? They won. They won without him. You know? How about uh, the, the, these two are the most egregious. The Lakers coming off of that in-season tournament where they had dropped 10 out of 13 games. They just got beat by Memphis. They were downtrodden and awful where LeBron James said that Bronny could play on this team. Back that up around the trade deadline, with all the rumors around the trade deadline. At Madison Square Garden, when there's Jalen Brunson rumors left and right, LeBron puts on a Knicks towel and drapes that across his back, covering up that chosen one tattoo. Where LeBron is repping the Knicks at the Garden? You're supposed to be a Laker, man. Imagine if Kobe did that. Speaking of Kobe, he didn't make it to Kobe's statue unveiling. Did notice that. But but the really bad one for me is is when he said Bronny James could play for the Lakers. Because that, that hits on so many levels of, of why that is wrong. And we came out against it at the time. But think about this. What message that sends to your teammates because Bronny, by the way, is averaging like six points a game for USC. And USC is not very good. They are not a tournament team. They have been incredibly disappointing this season. Bronny has not been good. And Bronny wasn't even really considered to be a top recruit coming into USC. Like Isaiah Collier's their freshman stud. I mean, I mean Collier, I, I, I can play. Bronny James, a fine player. He's a, he's a really good high school player. I think he can be a, a salt when he, when he when he matures and when he develops a little bit more. I think he can be a very good college basketball player. And and you know what? Maybe at some point, if the stars align perfectly, maybe he can crack an NBA roster at some point in his life. I, I think that we are several years away from this. But when LeBron puts out there that Bronny can play for the Lakers. So you're adding on pressure to your son, which I think is the most egregious of it all. Even though LeBron tried to walk it back just the other day when ESPN took him off their draft board, and all of a sudden LeBron was, you know, all high and mighty saying, oh, no, hey, media, you guys, you got just let, let the kid play. Let him be a kid. Oh, really, LeBron? Oh, really, LeBron? You're the guy that for years has been saying that Bronny – and you need to play together, and that your dream is to play with your son, and that's fine, but all you're doing every time you open your mouth and you say that is putting more and more pressure on him. Bronny James attracts tremendous attention everywhere he goes as it is. USC was selling out home games. They haven't been selling out home games lately because they haven't been very good, but they are selling out road games because people want to see Bronny James. And he eventually might be pretty good.
We'll see. We'll find out. I, I, again, I, I don't think that Bronny will ever be an NBA guy. I mean, I'm sure he'll get a chance, but I, I don't think that he's ever going to be like a, a major contributor on like a winner in the NBA. I have a hard time seeing that, but I can see him being a very good college basketball player. And, and that's fine. Like, like Bronny has talent. He's just, you know, it's not superstardom. And when LeBron speaks, he's putting more pressure on Bronny in that. And when he did that, not all, the, the, what it did to his son, what uh, the, the extra pressure it put on the organization, and then think about being LeBron's teammate. Think about it. If you are Rui Hachimura, hit a big shot last night. If you're Rui and you're sitting in the, in the locker and your locker is, is near LeBron and you got to look at this guy who's, who's saying to the media that my son, who's giving you six points a night at USC, could play on this team. It's a message to your teammates that your leader, your captain, thinks you stink. And at that time, you know what? The Lakers did stink. They had lost 10 of 13. I still don't know how good this Lakers team is. I I have no expectation of them making a deep playoff run. I think they have talent, but we'll see how far they go. But when LeBron said that, that that, that was hurtful on so many different levels. And I don't want to be like Mr. Sensitivity here because... I just I think about what the Mamba mentality was like, and LeBron has, has been against all of that, and in the process put extra pressure on his son that was just just unjustified and and belittled his teammates. Like that's not a leader. Like last night, LeBron showed some leadership tendencies, and maybe it was a good thing to get past the trade deadline, get past the speculation, because now LeBron has to just accept, okay, here I am, I'm not going anywhere, and let's see how far this team could go. And he put the team on his back last night. As the Clippers, who have all this momentum, right? Fun owner and Balmer. Really good players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Russell Westbrook buying into a bench roll. You bring on James Harden, which was very risky to do that. And James Harden has been so much better than people thought for the Clippers. Did get exposed last night defensively, though, that he can't guard LeBron. And... If he can't card LeBron at 39, as talented as LeBron is, I am really worried about how the Clippers are going to be able to have a deep postseason run when teams actually start playing in May and June. Like, you don't see NBA teams play at a hard level and an exciting level, generally speaking, aside from the last couple of minutes of a tight game, until then. LeBron took over last night. And the reason why that was his Laker moment was because... It was the big brother to little brother moment. And a reminder that for all the momentum the Clippers have, they still are the little brother. They're moving, they're moving down the street. They're moving to Inglewood. They're getting their own building. They got a fresh look, new logo, new uniforms, new everything with a ton of talent. But you're still the Clippers, at least for now. And they're trying to change that. Getting out of that building is going to be a good thing, I think, for the Clippers. But when the Clippers had dominated the Lakers, really, the last decade plus like the the Clippers had won the season series every year going back to 2012 up until this year so the last final reminder of these Lakers Clippers games where it's the hallway rivalry the final footnote in that is LeBron James going off in the fourth quarter knocking down five threes scoring 19 points to remind the Clippers going out the door that this is your eviction notice That was impressive from LeBron James last night. He showed leadership. He showed being a Laker. He showed what vintage LeBron looks like. That was awesome to see. 
When it comes to Bronny, though, and, and USC, like the reason why like the college basketball game is so fun for me is because you do have a little bit of the helter skelter nature. Like when you watch a team like USC, they have a bunch of pro prospects. Like Isaiah Collier is is the name. We'll see if Boogie Ellis ends up becoming something as far as the NBA is concerned. Kobe Johnson, you know, maybe a second round pick, maybe late first round. We'll see. But the beauty of college basketball is it, almost none of that matters. Like Andy Enfield's team at SC has not been good. But you look at a, a conference out west, like the Mountain West Conference, might get six teams in the NCAA tournament. You know, the, the Big East on so many fronts feels like it's back with UConn, who's been awesome. And they're going to be good again in the NCAA tournament. You know, you, Purdue returns the player of the year in Tyler Eady. Is is he going to be a first round pick? No, but he is a he is a force of nature in the college game. Like Purdue looks unstoppable at times. Houston is an unbelievable defensive team. Nobody plays defense like Houston. They're the best man to man defense team I've seen in a long time. And I know that that defense isn't always sexy, but a little bit of resistance ends up leading to a better product. And to sit and say that I think that the college game is better because there is more talent in the college game is so far from the truth. Like, look at what the NBA draft is going to look like this upcoming summer. I mean, the first five, six picks are all going to be European players. Like, they're not going to come from college basketball. The, The top talent is coming from Europe. But that doesn't mean college basketball isn't crazy fun. And here we are on the eve of March getting set. And even on a leap year, we got to wait an extra day, which is killing me. I'm ready for March already. March Madness is going to be a blast because the college game is fun. The guys are playing hard all the time, and they don't always play smart. But the chaos is so much a part of the entertainment. And in this NIL transfer era where teams are basically picking up free agents every summer, they're talking about NCAA tournament expansion. I think this is one of those moments that for college basketball right now, hey, man, I'm hanging on for dear life to what we got. Because what we have here is something special. The NCAA tournament is something special. The college game as it is right now, for whatever's what's left of it, is special. And at some point, it is going to truly become pro sports. And we are getting dangerously close to that. But there is still magic left in college basketball. And that, to me, is unbelievably exciting. That is way more interesting to me than the NBA. I think about the gambling aspect. Is is there a sport that is better to gamble on than college basketball? No. I mean, there's a reason why the NCAA tournament gets treated how it does in Sin City every March. You want to be a part of it. And it's so, everybody fills out a bracket. People that know nothing fill out a bracket. The only thing I'll tell you when you do fill out your bracket, I said this earlier. If you missed it, I'll tell you again. Look old. The good teams are old this year. There is some young talent. Yes. You know, North Carolina, sure. But for, for the overwhelming majority, uh, I'm looking at the old teams that have a chance. Actually, North Carolina's really old. It's Duke that's young. Duke's young. North Carolina's super old. The old teams are going to have success in the NCAA tournament. Okay, that's what's old. Here's what's new. This year, Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech. 
For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that's Dell.com slash deals. My name is Trent Rush, sitting for Jim Rome today. This is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Jim Rome Show. I love some of these stories that come out of spring training. I mean, this is the time of year, right? Everybody's out in camp and getting their work in and, and early days. And, and again, this is this is grind time right now for baseball players. Spring training is a long time. I, I just I'm enjoying some of the stories that come out of it. Like Bob Melvin, did you guys see this? Bob Melvin, new manager of the Giants, says every player needs to be out for the anthem. If you're gonna play in the game, you need to be out there for the national anthem. Which okay is all right. That's club policy. It's fine when you have 26 on the roster. That's one thing. But when there's 75 guys on the roster and everybody that's coming into games, I mean, the the sea of, of orange and black pouring out of the dugout, it, it just makes for a really funny photo. I mean, and this is the time, like, every team is trying to reestablish their culture, especially when you bring in, you know, when you have a new manager, they're trying to set the tone, and in San Francisco, they're they're trying to get things back on track. I think Melvin's actually the perfect guy for the San Francisco Giants. I think they're going to be a lot better for Bob Melvin. Didn't work in San Diego, but I think that Melvin's going to be pretty good. But I, I just, I there is there is a comedy to some of these rules that get implemented that might make sense for the regular season, but in spring training, uh, not always uh, logistically uh, they, they make the most sense. By the way, uh, speaking of getting it done, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. If you want to ask me a question, my name is Trent Rush. I'm filling in for Jim Rome today here uh, on this Thursday leap day on a leap year, February the 29th. You can find me on X at Trent Rush Sports. Hit up the show at Jim Rome. Give us a phone call as well, 1-800-636-8686. That's 1-800-636-8686. We'll be happy to answer uh, some of your questions. Rome at haveatake.com. Another way uh, to get connected here on the program. Program. I, I do love this this baseball time, and we got some. We got a pretty. We we got a nugget of information today, which couldn't possibly say any less. But also, maybe wants to have us ask a million questions. And that Shohei Otani is married. He got married to someone that is very special to him from his native country of Japan. That is all we know. Shohei got married. Out of nowhere. How about this guy's offseason? 700 million bucks and now ends up getting married in the process before the start of the season. But that is literally all we know. We know nothing else. We, we don't know who he got married to. We see no photos. There are a lot of rumors out there. And you know what? The less information you give, little lesson, the less information you give, the more le- the likely there is to be rumor around it. And there are a lot of people asking a lot of questions about Shohei Otani today. It'll be interesting to see that. I've been around Shohei. This will be the first time in six years I'm I'm not around Shohei on a, on a daily basis. And 
I want to know because I was completely taken aback by this news that Shohei Otani is married. But you know what? On some level, right, does this not just add not only to the Otani mystique, but to the, the sparkle and shine and the sizzle of the Dodgers this year? Isn't this just another wrinkle of the entertainment value that they are bringing in the entertainment capital of the world? I mean, the Dodgers are Hollywood on so many levels. And to have this international global icon that everybody wants to know about, I mean, there is there are there are almost like some some swifty parallels here in, in terms of people being obsessed with, you know, this this person's love life that is a, a superstar on on a million different you know levels and different countries. And, and and by the way, in Japan, I think Shohei is bigger than Taylor Swift. I mean, that's that's how big Shohei Otani is. I mean, in the coverage of this guy, and people are obsessive, and it's essentially paparazzi. There's not another athlete. LeBron doesn't have paparazzi everywhere he goes. Like, who's the next biggest athlete in America behind Shohei Otani? Like, is it LeBron? Is it Tiger? I mean, like, who's the next guy? But it's clearly Otani is one. And there is, and it's a drop-off after that because of internationally. Like, is Patrick Mahomes, does Patrick Mahomes have paparazzi around him? Is Travis Kelsey the, 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 the next most popular? I guess after Shohei, the next most likely to have paparazzi around that would be Travis Kelsey, right? But I, I do think it's fascinating that this Dodgers team that spends a billion dollars in the offseason, I don't know how prepared they are for a championship in 2024. I mean... We already know this team gets it done in the regular season. We don't know how they're going to be in the playoffs. And for all the sizzle of the Dodgers, Moogie Betts and Freddie Freeman went one for 21 in the playoffs last year. Shohei's never played in a playoff game. Yamamoto's never been in a playoff game. Tyler Glass now is 2-6 and six with a 5.72 ERA in playoff games. In 10 playoff starts, he's got one quality start. I was in 2020 when no one was there. Clayton Kershaw. Do we need to talk about his postseason track record? We can add on the fact that he went six, he gave up six runs in a third of an inning last year. And we don't even know if Kershaw's going to pitch until like August. Walker Bueller just finally starting to face live hitters. He's coming off of Tommy John surgery. You don't know what that's going to look like. So even after spending a billion dollars, as good as we know the Dodgers are and are going to be in the regular season, we don't know anything about what they might be come October. Then you look at the, the Braves. Like, to me, the Braves are still the team to beat in the National League and in baseball. Ronald Acuna is the best player in the game. When, when Shohei's a two-way guy, he's number one. Otani, the DH only, Acuna's number one. He's the, the National League MVP. He's going to be the best player in baseball this year. Played in 159 games last year. Austin Riley, top 10 in MVP voting, seventh. He played in 159 games last year. Matt Olson, Bet you didn't know that he led baseball in homers and RBI. I bet that gets forgotten. Yeah, Matt Olson played every game last year. wasn't even a top wasn't even a top three MVP finalist, and he, he led baseball in homers and RBI, which is amazing. And they're young, like three of their five starting pitchers last year were twenty four years old. And Spencer Strider is the next big thing when it comes to pitching in baseball. He won twenty games. I do think that. There is some level of curiosity that also comes with the fact that there are still all these big MLB free agents that are just sitting out there right now. Like, why hasn't Blake Snell signed? Jordan Montgomery. I mean, Matt Chapman. I mean, he's he has a possibility to – I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP, but, I mean, he could be a, a top 10 to 15 MVP kind of guy. Like, at what point does the leverage go 
from the player to the team. Because I think right now we are starting to see that scale tip to, to team leverage. Cody Bellinger, three years, $80 million. It's a lot of money, but I mean, he, that, that was supposed to be an eight-figure, uh, a, a nine-figure deal. That was supposed to be $100 million for Cody Bellinger. He didn't get that. I would love to see like some deadlines in baseball. Like, think about how epic the winter meetings could be if there was this frenzy to get it done at the winter meetings. Like, nobody wants to drag it out through the holidays. The NFL is going to dominate January and early February anyway. Own the winter meetings. Own the spotlight. Get it all done there. You have madness at the winter meetings. Who wouldn't want to watch that? The coverage would be insane. The attention would be insane. And then you get to pitchers and catchers reporting after the Super Bowl, and it's like, all right, baseball, it's your time again. But we're, we're going we're gonna to seed January and early February to the NFL, which you might as well do because they steal it anyway. They have it anyway. It's not like MLB is competing in that space regardless. So own that get an extra two weeks, like own the first two weeks of December, that's your time. Or create a six-week window from the end of the World Series to the middle of the uh, middle of December. You got six weeks, just own it. But we know that nothing ever happens in baseball. It's like it's like Congress trying to get stuff done. Except they, they get the unimportant things done, right? How about like the jerseys this year? I mean, like everyone's complaining about the uniforms. Like, okay, let's let's change the unimportant things. Like, I think about like like if you're home and like you have a roof leak, it's it's like I'm gonna fix my roof leak by buying a TV. Hey, you know, I think that 80 inch screen would be perfect for the living room. Meanwhile, wife is busy trying to get the kids ready for school, trying to get them out the door. Whole family just getting drenched with a hole in your roof. No, honey, don't worry about that. You just don't understand. We're gonna we're gonna blow out this wall right here. We got plenty of space. We're gonna fit the 80 inch screen right here. Oh, okay, let me go get a bucket as we're getting Johnny out the door so you can watch the Tigers and the Pirates play in the spring game. Like that, That's what it's like. MLB is so obsessed with fixing what doesn't need to be fixed is, is they're missing greater problems. There are bigger problems in baseball. And we remember all the, the labor union issues over the last couple of years. Like No, no sport seems to have a, a tougher time with that than baseball. And, and all they're doing is getting in their own way. Being able to watch baseball games is incredibly tough. There's uncertainty on so many fronts there. Like baseball is, is constantly busy trying to put out these little fires and then in the process what they are changing like doesn't need to be changed. Like does the to the bigger bases make that much of a difference? You know, I, like the pitch clock worked. I'll give baseball that. Like the pitch clock was a good move. But you go deeper down the line here. Like how many substantial important changes to the game have made a positive impact because in, in so many levels you're just hurting your base when you do this. You're fixing what doesn't need to be fixed and ignoring greater issues. This free agency thing, I mean, the fact that the, the Cy Young Award winner in the National League last year has not signed yet, and, and tomorrow will be March 1st, and, and the National League Cy Young Award winner has not signed a contract. Major a, a World Series hero in Jordan Montgomery has not signed. Matt Chapman. One of the best defensive players in the game who also hits really well. He, he, he's instantly a star player wherever he goes. Has not signed. Th- this is a strange time in baseball. Changes need to be made. I don't know if they will. I don't know, I, I don't know if they ever will. Stuff happens slow in baseball. It feels like slower in baseball than anywhere else. But I do know that I'm at least happy spring training's back. For all, the, for all of the negativity that baseball takes... I think that if you're a purist of the sport, you can still see the romanticism and the beauty of what happens in a place like Arizona or Florida this time of year. Something special about it. Hope springs eternal. 
I'm a full-time believer in that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Again, my name is Trent Rush, sitting in for Jim Rome today. Now here's the latest sports update. This is that time of year, right? I mean, you got baseball is getting be, you know getting started here. You got March Madness coming up, like two and a half weeks of Selection Sunday. Like we're on the cusp of what is so exciting about sports. Like this is a great time in our sports worlds here. I don't know that this is the best time, like in the NFL. Like the scouting combine to me is not particularly entertaining. I mean, that's what's going on right now. I saw some of the news of today that Cooper DeGene from Iowa is he is not going to participate, not even to participate in Iowa's pro day. Suffered a broken leg at the end of the season, missed the final four games, including the Big Ten championship game, uh, with a fractured fibula in mid-November. And I think about like DeGene. Like DeGene's one of the defensive players I really like in this draft. I think there's a handful of defensive guys that I am really high on. I know that everyone's going to talk about the quarterbacks at the top. And, and who knows? Like we might end up seeing the first three picks all being quarterbacks, depending on how you feel about, you know, Jaden Daniels and Drake May and, you know, what the Bears ultimately decide to do with that number one pick. Like we will see. But there are some defensive players like, I, like Jared Verse. I really like him. D. N. at Florida State. I think he's very good. You know, Terry and Arnold at, at Alabama. I think is is a really good defensive player. Like there's a good. It's, it seems like there's a good group of, of defensive banks here, and DeGene is one of them. It'll be interesting coming off a broken leg. But I mean, he single handedly made Iowa relevant last year. I mean, the fact that that team was in the Big Ten title game with with less than zero offense. Like it, they were better off punting on first down and just letting the defense do their thing and let Cooper DeGene try to score and get, you know, you know, he was a kick returner as well. Like he was really good for them. I think that there's some some good defensive players uh, in this draft. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. But obviously the quarterbacks are the headlines, right? And I I feel like that this decision for the Bears at, at a certain level, right, has to be as simplified as possible for Ryan Poles, general manager of the Bears. I mean, you just got to take the best guy. And I don't care what kind of return you're going to get for trading that pick. Like, if you trade away the one pick, which is presumably Caleb Williams, if you trade that pick away, you're going to get a haul. It's going to be a king's ransom you get in return. But you're still stuck with Justin Fields, your quarterback. Like, no matter what, if you trade that pick... For as many red flags as Caleb Williams has, don't you just have to take the guy? Like if you if you firmly believe, and I, and honestly, I mean this, I'm not going to judge the Bears if they really feel like Fields is the guy. If they see too many red flags with Caleb Williams, if they don't think Jaden Daniels is it, if they don't think Drake May is it, if they firmly believe that Fields is the best of those four or anybody else in the draft, I'm not going to judge them for that. Because the decision you got to make is you got to take the best quarterback available. And right now, it's it's Fields, it's Williams, it's Jaden Daniels, it's Drake May. However you feel about it. And I know May's stock may be falling a little bit, J.J. McCarthy's stock rising a little bit. We'll keep an eye on that as we get closer to the draft. But I, I feel like the decision is very simple. You you use your evaluators. You trust what you know in this game to get to where you are as a general manager of an NFL team. And you make the decision to pick the best guy possible and let the rest sort itself out. If you determine that that guy is Fields, which I, if you do, God bless you. But if that's a decision you make, 
Well, then you you live with that, and then you trade the pick. But if you think Williams is the guy, but you're thinking about what you could get in return and try to fill elsewhere and, and worried about the cap situation and, and fields on an expiring contract, and, and, and when, when you're, you're going to have to pay him after his fifth year, when, you, when you're thinking about all these different other things, all that does is cloud up a very simple question. Who is the best quarterback? Take that guy and let the rest sort itself out. I know that the number one pick is like pressure to like land a legacy quarterback. I have a hard time thinking that Caleb Williams is going to be a legacy guy. He might be. He has all the talent. But look at the situation he would be going into in Chicago. I mean, wasn't there even chatter like he didn't want to go there at all? And, you know, he's got his dad who had been allegedly making comments about wanting a stake of ownership, which may or may not be true, and all this, all this stuff that has come around on the external regarding Caleb Williams. Like, this is not Pat Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech. This is very different. And even if the skill set is the same, the circumstances are not. Caleb Williams was an unbelievably high-profile NIL player last year. I mean, he was essentially on a pro deal at USC, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in a situation of the, the spotlight that is USC football, wearing the pressure of that. And I don't know how well he handled that. Like, I get why Caleb Williams doesn't need to go to the combine. He has nothing to gain from the combine and, and only things to lose because we've seen Caleb Williams on tape for a long time. If you haven't seen Caleb Williams play, I don't think that you're going to be one of those viewers that is going to be watching the scouting combining on, oh, wow, yeah, this this Williams guy, he can play a little bit. No. I, I, you start to lose, I think, for the top high-profile guys any sense at all of why you would need the combine at all. But for a player like Caleb Williams, you know what he can do. And if you're concerned about the mental grind and, and you're using the – combine as a way to test all that and test all of your emotions and test the preparedness. Caleb Williams has lived it the last two years at USC. Like Caleb Williams had to wear that his whole time with the USC Trojans. He he was far and away the most high profile player in all of college football. And he struggled. And we saw him at at one point after a a tough loss, I think it was Utah said he just wanted to go home and, and, and cuddle with his dog. And I'm not, I don't want to knock him for that because on a certain level, you can understand why a college kid feeling that immense pressure might feel that way. At the same time, can you imagine some of the all-time great quarterbacks dropping a line like that? You think Tom Brady would ever go and say he wants to just go on and cuddle with his dog? And even It might be true. You're not going to say it. And I don't, want to, I don't want to come out like I'm bashing Caleb Williams for being soft, but I do think that that puts up an antenna of something that I need to be concerned about of how is this player going to be able to handle the pressure. Like you can create whatever artificial test you want to have at the NFL combine. Caleb Williams lived it. There's no reason for him to go to this thing. But if you're the Chicago bears, you now have to weigh like the talent of Williams and you bring back Eberflus and and how are you going to be able to handle having a player like him as high-profile as he is, because as soon as Caleb Williams walks in the door, there is now an expectation that he is the man. And he's not going to have an opportunity to sit behind an all-pro quarterback to learn and develop and mature. You don't have one of the all-time great offensive minds around you like Patrick Mahomes had. For Caleb Williams, it's going to be a lot different. 
for Caleb Williams, the pressure is going to be massive day one, and it's pressure that he's welcomed. It's pressure he brought upon himself. But it's also why maybe you can understand a little bit about why Caleb did go back last year. In some respect, too, like, didn't the Bears make up their Caleb Williams decision last year? Like, by trading that pick last year, wasn't part of it of like, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can get Caleb Williams again next year. Like, like that would maybe have been part of the consideration, I would think. But I, I'm just, I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to judge the Bears if they choose, if they think Fields is their guy and they're sticking with him and they're going to trade the pick, which I don't think they're going to do. I, I wouldn't judge them for that if they really feel like he's the best guy. I will judge them if they worry about the ancillary, if they worry about what else is around him and what they could get in return to try to navigate and get the best deal possible. The best deal possible for your team's success is to have the best quarterback possible. It's simple as that. Anyway, NFL Combine going on right now. I'll care a lot more about this when we get closer to draft time, but Combine... I mean, Cooper DeGene had a, had a broken leg. That, that's the, the story. That's the story. He's not participating. So, again, again, the only stories that ever come out of the Combine every year are just guys that aren't participating in the Combine. Or we have to talk about someone's hand size as, as if you know, that's you know, an important thing. I, I don't know enough to, to judge on that. I, I just know, I know that when you see great play, great quarterbacks, uh, most of them don't even need to go to the combine to, to make a difference there. I, I understand it for, you know, if you're trying to find a second or third round pick or, or, or you later in the draft, you get invited to the combine and you're a team that wants to have everybody in one place and, and you, get the, you get the nuts and bolts done. I understand it for the nuts and bolts. I understand it for the measurements and, and for the meetings and, and getting reads on guys. I get that. But what the, the combine has become, I have, I have trouble with the significance of that, especially like in a great time of year, like with college basketball rolling around. I'm telling you what, if you are not watching the Mountain West right now, get on it. It's been really, really fun to watch. A bunch of those games are on CBS too. So there is just a lot of fun that has come uh, from that conference. You know, you, you have St. Mary's, who's been really good out West. But, you know, you have your powerhouses, UConn, defending national champs. They're, they're outstanding. Purdue, reigning player of the year, and Tyler Eady's the big man in the middle, 7-4. Purdue, Boilermakers, legit. Houston, unbelievable defensive team. These are old veteran teams that are really good, really talented. Arizona's very good. Again, coming out west. You know, could, could the Mountain West get six teams in? You have a very veteran North Carolina team, and they brought in a ton of transfers, and they're good. Duke is is young and good. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's a fun mix this year of the powers we're used to, and some of the newer onto-the-scene powers as well. I mean, it, it's going to be a really exciting NCAA tournament, and we got to cherish this tournament for however long we have it because we, no doubt, are running out of time. Uh, speaking of which, we're starting to run out of time on our show today. If you want to give us a phone call, last chance to do it, 1-800-636-8686. I did want to bring Tom on just for a second here uh, because I am really excited about Spring training baseball, I know that like I'm, I'm probably one of the last baseball romantics left. I know you love the game. Do you care about spring training? I know the games don't matter, but are you? do you look forward to spring training? I mean, it's a fun time of year. Like you said, hope springs at this time of year. So like, if you're a Met fan like me, this is always the time where you get the most delusional and crazy about you're getting your hopes up. So yeah, I always enjoy spring training. And this year's, it's interesting being in this market right now because of the buzz level of the Dodgers being so huge i'm not sure it it reminds me of being back in new york like 
kind of the Yankee ecosystem is enormous in New York. And obviously there's a national following, but it's it's like its own thing. Dodgers are at that level right now where it is the biggest topic in town are the Dodgers right now and Shohei and Shohei's first week and his first home run. So it's a very exciting time here for spring training baseball. Have you been able to recover from the Kodai Senga injury yet? Um, well, I mean, yes, just because that was like the most predictable, obvious, <laughs> of course, that was going to happen to the Mets. That's how every, exactly. that's how, you know, the season has started. Spring training has started because the Mets have had their first crazy injury nonsense. That's just how it goes. I, how it but you know what I love? Even despite all of it, I love that you have a smile on your face. Nobody loses spring training games, by the way. No, that's right. Nobody really ever wins, but nobody ever really loses either. And exactly. That's, Nothing that, that's bad has actually happened that matters yet. Hey, it'll it'll come. I'm ready for that. Hey, I've covered this is my tenth season covering the Angels. I love spring training. Spring training's great. We have a great time out in spring training. And I, by the way, I do think that that team is is better than a lot of people are saying uh, nationally. They have good young core. It'll be fun to watch them. But again. When the Dodgers are the superstars in this market, you know, we're doing the show in Los Angeles. I mean, the Dodgers are at a different level. And by the way, congratulations to Shohei Otani on his marriage. We don't know anything about it. We know he got married to someone special to him from Japan. That's literally all we know. But congratulations to Shohei Otani, $700 million, and uh, gets married as well. Hey, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. I want to thank Tom DiBenintendo. Jack Savage, Alan Delorio, and our entire crew here as uh, they helped me make you know, feel pretty comfortable today. It was nice to spend some time here in the seat. Jim Rohn will be back very, very soon. My name is Trent Rush. It has been an honor to sit in for the legend that is Jim Rome. This has been the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio.